Well, good morning, everybody. <laughs> Fancy meeting you here. Hey, hey, let's welcome uh, everybody in. We got the whole family with us today. We got Midtown with us. We got Hamilton Mill. We got North Cobb. We got our online family all around the world. We got our house churches. Every, one big family today uh, because we're doing something as one big family. As you can see, even the, the platform's set up a little bit differently than it normally is. Uh, but in preparation for that, let me catch you up. Maybe you didn't get the memo a few weeks ago, and it's that we as Victory are uh, actually this year going to spend a lot of time in the book of Acts, all right, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts, and it's called Acts because it's about action, action, right? So here's the idea. Maybe you've been in church for a little while, and uh, maybe the church didn't feel like it was about action. Maybe the church that you even grew up in was a little bit more about sitting than it was about moving, right? Like sitting in a seat uh, about once a week, about every seven days you would come in and sit. But how many of you know that wasn't Jesus's intention when he established the church, right? Jesus began the church to be a movement gathered around a mission. And what's the mission? The mission is for us to be witnesses of Jesus Christ, be witnesses of the rule and the reign of Jesus as the king of the earth, his beauty, his majesty, the salvation that's available through his name. We are witnesses of these things together. So therefore, that is what the church is. The church isn't just a place for sitting. The church is a people who are going, right? So here's the idea, guys. If you aren't moving, you're kind of missing the point. Right, so then what are we doing right here? Listen, we are gathered for worship so then we can be scattered for witness. We are gathered for worship to be sent as witnesses. We are a sent people. And that's really what we've kind of been doing over the last two weeks or so uh, as we've been walking through Acts chapter one. And what we did see, we saw in Acts 1.8, Jesus gives the commission, which is really what victory is founded on, for us to be witnesses in every single area of life. And then last week, we kind of talked about this seldom discussed story where the disciples uh, replace Judas under the Lord's choosing. And we, we decided this, is that we wanna be the type of people who are ready when God calls our name. Come on, am I in the right place? Yes. Do you wanna be ready? Come on, Midtown, you wanna be ready when God calls your name? Like, we wanna be that sort of people. So we spent two weeks walking through Acts chapter one, and now, quite literally, it's time to turn the page and go over to Acts chapter two. Now, here's the deal. If you're a church person, you get excited about Acts chapter two because this is where the good stuff happens in Acts chapter two. Okay, let, let's go there together. This is where we're kind of looking at today. Acts chapter two, verse one through four. It says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Whoa! Some of y'all are like, what you about to do? Is this one of those churches? Yes, thanks for asking, it is. Um, now here's what happens, here's what happens. The Holy Spirit gets poured out just like Jesus said was gonna happen in Acts 1-8. 
He says, go back and wait because you're about to receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses. So the Holy Spirit gets poured out on the disciples. The disciples run out the door. They preach the gospel. 3,000 people get saved. And that's a good altar call, somebody. And the early church gets born right there. And that's, we get excited about that. Come on, we, we get excited. That if the early church is known for anything, they're known for being a spirit-empowered people. Come on, like, like they're, they're seeing miracles and signs and wonders. The supernatural, people are getting healed. Demons are being cast out. People are getting saved. Come on, like amazing, supernatural things are happening. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the church. So if you fast forward 2,000 years to today, what do we have? We have Holy Spirit conferences. We have Holy Ghost meetings. We, we have people lining up to be prayed for for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And all that's great, all that's great. In fact, we're gonna talk a lot about that next week. But everybody say today. 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 Here's what we're talking about today. Is that there's a whole lot right with wanting to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. It's just usually done in the wrong order. What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean. Is that the Holy Spirit was not poured out on just a random, generic group of Christians. How was the Holy Spirit out, poured out? Who was the Holy Spirit poured out on? Well, we just read it. And here's the problem. We were so excited about verse two that we skipped verse one. Here it is, Acts chapter two, verse one. Here's what it says. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. Everybody say together. In one place. And guys, here's the big idea for today. One of the reasons why the early church walked in the power they did is because of the unity they had. Let me say it again. One of the reasons why the early church walked in the power they did is because of the unity that they had. In fact, just, all, I mean, just a handful of places in the book of Acts itself, like Acts 1.14 takes place right before this. It says this in Acts 1.14. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary. In other words, the men and the women are together in one place. Acts 2.44 happens right after what we just read a second ago. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Acts 4.32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. And fam, listen, this is what nobody talks about. This, this, this is the secret sauce of Christianity. Like, oh, I just thought we were supposed to go to church every seven days. No, listen, listen. The secret sauce of Christianity is the lifestyle that we're called to engage in. And I'll say this. Before the church was a spirit-empowered people, they were a spirit-united people. Before the church was ever a spirit-empowered people, they were a spirit-united people. Everybody talks about the power that the early church operated in, but nobody talks about why God could trust them with that power. Here's a question. Why should God trust you with the same power that Jesus operated in? In 2017, uh, a few years back, <laughs> um, I started. Get, I was actually still pastoring up at Hamilton Mill, and a handful of uh, pastors up in that area. We we started getting together. It was five of us. We were getting together, and we began praying for revival. And it just so happened we were five white guys. That was not on purpose. Just. We didn't plan that part, okay? Uh, but we did plan praying for revival. And a few months in, one of the one of the pastors was like. <sighs> You know, I'm in one other pastor's prayer group 
And they're gathering together every week to pray for reconciliation in the church. We were praying for revival in the church, but he says they're praying for reconciliation in the church. And it just so happens that they were five black pastors, not on purpose, not on purpose. Okay. Um, and he said this, he said this. He said, I wonder what would happen if we all got in the same room and prayed together. So we did it. We started meeting together. And what would, some of you are familiar with it, and what would later become what's called the one race movement, which is still going today. And we began as white pastors and black pastors getting in the same room together, praying for revival, praying for reconciliation. But then it began moving past that because then we would sit at tables and have cups of coffee and we would start asking questions about each other's families and each other's lives and what are each other's struggles and what's your experience like. And rather than demanding to be understood, we started seeking to understand and I started asking questions like, hey, um, I'm hearing that it's different to raise a young black teenager in Atlanta than it is to raise a young white teenager in Atlanta. Can you tell me about that? And we're breaking bread together and we're getting in each other's lives and we're praying for each other. And then slowly Latino pastors started coming in. Then slowly Asian pastors started coming in and we're getting to know each other. We're getting to understand each other. We're starting to pray for each other's churches, which by the way, if you know anything about church world, that doesn't happen. Pastors don't pray for other churches. They're usually like, God, I pray they would have a scandal so their people would come to my, my church. <laughs> you know, like, we don't talk about that, but that's what happens. And, but we're actually blessing each other. We're, 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 our families are getting to know each other, right? And, and what we noticed was, is that God began doing something in us before he started doing something in our congregations. And in essence, one group had been praying for revival, but not doing the work of revival, and one group had just been praying for reconciliation, but not doing the work of reconciliation. And God, in essence, said this, when you cross the lines and become one in heart and mind together, I'm going to answer your prayers together. I'm not gonna answer your prayers over there and your prayers over there, but when you come together, that's what I'm gonna bless. And here's what I learned in that season, guys, is that we, as, as, as humans, we want revival before reconciliation. But God doesn't work like that. In fact, I'd say it like this. Reconciliation always comes before revival. I'm not just talking about a group of pastors meeting in Atlanta. I'm saying the biblical model is that, that God's power is poured out on unity. God will only pour his spirit out on a united people on a united church. In other words, here's what I mean. God will not bless a divided marriage. God will not bless a divided heart. Saying, oh, I want Jesus, but I want my stuff too. No, he says, be unified. Or you'll be, you know, if you're, if you're divided, you're gonna be tossed to and fro by every, no, by every wind of doctrine. No, be unified. God will not bless a divided church. And so maybe now it's starting to click because we live in a world of so much church division and offense and church hurt and the denominations are crumbling and there's so much of a theological mess out there, right? And we're all divided. Could that be one of the primary reasons why God's power isn't primarily operating in the church today? Because we're so divided amongst each other. But when we are one, here's how I'd say it, we become a safe place for God to pour his spirit out on. Because here's the idea, guys. When, when we're united and God pours out his power on us, he can trust us with that. Because if we're united, we won't turn with that power and start biting each other and start gossiping about each other and start praying against each other. We'll actually be of one heart and one mind together. 
So, so let me say this. If right now you're praying for revival, you're saying, God, revive me, God, do a work in the church, God, send power, right? If you're praying for revival but not doing the work of reconciliation, in a sense, you're kind of praying in vain. Because, because if you're praying for revival but, but you're offended, you're gossiping, you're backbiting, you got church hurt, Come on, you're talking bad about these people over there. You're not living a reconciled life. You got a lot of prejudice in you. Listen, you're kind of praying in vain. And here's what I've noticed, guys. Too many of us, we want the spirit power without the spirit lifestyle. Because God already told us this, Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. God said this, don't give up on each other. Don't give up on each other. Don't forsake the assembly. Don't forsake the unity. Don't forsake the reconciliation because that's where God's blessing sits. God will not pour his spirit out on a divided, offended, individualistic people. He won't do it. He just won't do it. And so what that means is we have to wage war against that individualistic spirit that tries to get on all of us, right? Listen, some of you are like, I don't understand because, because you were born here. If you're from another country and you moved here, you're like, oh, what's wrong with America, right? Because it, it may be where you're from. It's all family. It's community. You know each other. You live life with each other. Then you come here and everybody's like, mm. You're like waving at your neighbor. They're like, mm. <laughs> garage door up, pull in, garage door down. And then you see the blinds go, is that weird person still waving at me? Because everybody's so individualistic. I mean, that's how America started, right? There, people were like, I don't like how it is here. We're gonna go over there and do our own thing. That's still here. And so we have to wage war against that individualistic spirit that tries to get on God's people even, and in God's church even. Let, let, me, let me give you a few examples. It's the individualistic spirit, hang with me, give me some grace, that would cause us to stay at home and binge Netflix rather than going to small group and cracking our heart open and being vulnerable, right? It's the thing that it says, I, I don't have time for small group. Continue watching, don't mind if I do. <laughs> right? You're under 12th episode today. I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to go to small group. No, that's the individualistic spirit. That's what that is. The, the individualistic spirit that we have to wage war on is the thing that says like, I, 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 I've been, I, I have some church hurt. And so I'm just, maybe even I'll go, like my body will go, but my heart won't go. I'm gonna kind of stay at a distance. It's the individualistic spirit that says, I've kind of done my part by being around other races, but I've never pressed past that place to love. And I felt like the, the Lord kind of gave me this phrase this last week. He said, just because you're integrated doesn't mean you're reconciled. And so here, guys, I love this. Like we're a church of over 140 different nations it's fantastic. Like whatever room you're in, if you're at a campus, like look around, like people don't look like you. Like look around for a second. It's awesome, it's awesome, okay? But if we're not careful, just because we're integrated, we're actually, we'll actually believe that we're reconciled. And guys, there's a difference in sitting with other people and loving other people. Have we actually pressed past? Like there, there's, there's segregation, there's integration, there's toleration, and there's reconciliation. Do I, I, like if I look at pictures of all my friends, do they all look like me, right? If, if I'm in a small group, 
do they all look like me? Then you ain't reconciled, you're just integrated. And what the invitation is to press past that individualistic spirit where we like everything to be just like we want it to be and actually move past that to love. We have to wage war with this individualistic spirit that says, um, I, don't, I don't go to church, I am the church. Anybody ever heard say, somebody say something dumb like that? Yeah. Here's why it's dumb, here's why it's dumb. Is because we talked about this a few weeks ago. The word church actually comes from the New Testament word, ecclesia. You know what ecclesia means? The gathering. That's why you can't be the church, because you're not a gathering. You literally cannot be the church. It has to be wherever two or more are gathered. And what we, we know, here's really what that, I don't go to church, I am the church. Like, really what that is, that's an excuse to just live offended and unaccountable. But the invitation is to heal and press back in. Listen, that individualistic spirit is the thing that, again, guys online, give me some grace. It's, it's the individualistic spirit that says it's fine to perpetually sit behind a screen and to stream forever. And I, listen, we all know this. There's good reasons to stream and there's bad reasons to stream. It's a good reason to be at home right now and there's a bad reason to be at home right now. And here's the deal. If you live close to a campus, like if you live close to North Cobb, listen, take, get, take a shower, get dressed, get in your car and drive. Drive, like right now, turn this service off. We got another one coming, okay? Drive, get there. Don't forsake the assembly. Don't forsake the assembly. I'm glad we stream because, you know, if you're, if you're sick or you're on vacation or whatever, but I've experienced this and maybe you have as well. Here's how I'd say it. Is it's like when you're watching the gathering, it's almost like watching fire on TV. You can see the fire, but you can't feel the warmth. And there's just something about being around the other coals, being in the gathering together. That's what we were made for. One more example. The individualistic spirit is what says that it's fine to perpetually attend a church forever, but never join. Oh, but joining the church isn't in the Bible. Well, neither are cars, but you know, <laughs> you probably drove today, right? Like, I don't know if you walked. <laughs> um, neither are lights, you know what I'm saying? We kind of like lights. Here's the idea, guys. Here's why you need to, I'm not just talking about victory. Join your local church, join the church. Here's why you need to join the church is because God has called you to get planted in the house of the Lord. And a lot of us were, were, were commitment phobic because of whatever happened in our life and we're just perpetually dating the church. Guys, put a ring on it. Put a ring on it, all right? And what happens is it's almost like, you know, I, well, I go to that church on, on that Sunday and then the third Sunday I go to this church then I stream this guy, whatever that, and what it is, it's almost like you're picking a, a plant out of a pot every week and putting it in a different pot. So therefore the roots can never sink deep and you stagnate. And some of you are wondering, why have I been stagnated for so long? It's because you've never actually committed to the house of the Lord with the people of God to become family. And why, why, why is church membership important to the church? Because Jesus says, nobody ever goes to war unless you, got, you know how many soldiers you got. And Amos says, how can two walk together unless they agree, right? And so, so the, the people who join the church, the members of the church are the family who says, I'm all about the vision. I'm all about the mission. I'm financially giving this. I'm, I'm investing. I'm, I'm serving. I'm behind this place. We're pushing this kingdom forward, God's kingdom forward in Atlanta into the other most parts of the earth together. And what I love is, I just got it this week, is we're always, we're always kind of making sure that if people aren't coming to the church, we've kind of cleared those numbers out. But Victory today has 16,112 members. Woo! 
in this church, 16,112 members in the church, men, women, children, who are, who are locking arms together. And listen, guys, God can do something with that. Listen, you get 16,112 people walking together in unity and God pours his spirit out on those people. You wanna talk about turning a neighborhood upside down, turning a city upside down, turning a state and nation and the nations upside down. And this is the power of it, Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard. He was, he was the high priest, down on the collar of his robe. That's one example. Here's another one. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. God blesses unity. Here was the, here was the, the Jewish understanding that there was a Mount Hermon, and what they believed was the little dew, the drops of moisture on the top of Mount Hermon, they joined together. And you had enough and it formed a trickle and, and, and enough trickles joined together and it formed a stream. Enough streams formed together, it forms the roaring rivers that they saw. And they said, but it starts with just a few drops of water up top. And I'm telling you guys, y'all are the few drops of water up top. And we join together and we're actually joined together. It gains momentum and God blesses it and it turns into a rushing river. And God will bless that. God will bless that. And that's why we believe, family, that it's so important for us here at Victory to be united at every level, to be a united church, to be a united people, especially at the top leadership of the church. And people ask me this all the time. They say, they, say, they ask, they say, how, do, how does Victory do what it does? Um, because we are um, over three decades old uh, at this point. We have over 140 nations in the church. That alone should be the reason we don't get along, right? We from all over the place. We, we, we're all different. Um, we've successfully navigated a senior pastor transition. A lot of churches go down with that. And I just, can I just pause right here? I wanna give honor where honor is due because Pastor Dennis and Colleen are sitting right here. This is possible because of their faithful leadership for 30 years. All this, all this, all this. Um, um, we, we embrace this, this philosophy of one church in multiple locations, or we often say one vision, multiple voices. Um, every campus has its own leadership. Uh, Summer and I are senior pastors over the whole thing. We do two-thirds live preaching at all the campuses, and about a third of the time, we'll join together as one big family to hear one word uh, because we feel like God wants to say the same thing to all of us at one time. And so here's the truth, guys. There are a ton of reasons we should be divided, but there's one thing that unites us, and it's the red blood of Jesus Christ. Puts us all together, puts us all together. And under that uniting sacrifice, blood of Jesus Christ, there are some really practical things that we do on our side to make sure that we're a united church and a united people. So. I want you to be able to hear from some of the people who helped to make that thing happen. And so today, we actually have a really special treat, um, something we like really rarely ever get to do. We have all the campus pastors are here today. And so I want you guys to go ahead and come on up. And we're gonna get to hear a little bit from everybody today, all right? So you guys know Kervin and Candace here at Norcross. We got Chris and Lisa at Hamilton Mill. We got my bride, Summer Bowie. We got Mo and Kendra at Midtown. We got Darius and Melba at North Cobb. <laughs> and now I know this, y'all are immediately nervous because there are 10 preachers on this platform. 
So we only have about four hours. And so we're gonna do, no, okay, all right. <laughs> um, here's what I wanna do, because, because it really is unity, it is teamwork, it is a united effort to be able to do what we do as victory. And so uh, we're just gonna pass the mic around just for a few minutes here and kind of hear some, some different perspectives. So um, I'd love to hear from you first, babe, is we were actually just talking about some of this this last week, driving in the car. And so what, did it, what is it from your heart, from your perspective, that um, has made victory so united through the years in the midst of all the things that should divide us? Why are we still united? Absolutely. Uh, well, I grew up learning about the Holy Spirit. I was in a church that was non-denominational, and so we were talking about moves of the Spirit. We'd pray for revival, like flags, asha, all kinds of stuff. So if any of you grew up in a church like that, very charismatic, I can relate. However, one of the things that we did not talk about was pursuing unity, this thing about reconciliation. And so it wasn't, now I would have told you I'm reconciled, but it wasn't until we walked into the doors of victory back in 1998 where I was like, wow. And honestly, it, it started to bring tears to my eyes because I had never been in a church environment that was so beautiful, that represented what heaven should look like. And then to hear our founding pastors, Pastor Dennis and Pastor Colleen, talk about something that had not been talked about in the church that I'd been a part of, this thing called reconciling cultures. And Pastor Dennis would challenge us over and over in his messages about intentionality, inviting people into your space from a small group standpoint, right, and inviting them into your home, doing life with people who didn't look like you, maybe didn't grow up in the same area as you or have the same profession or even social, uh, economical income, any of that. And so I took that to heart, and I started to, and Johnson and I both did. We got into a small group. We started inviting different people to be a part of the small group. But let me tell you, it wasn't just about small group. It's about a life change of living that way. Yeah. And so for me now, to be very honest with you, I walk into a room full of white people. I'm like, this is weird. I feel awkward. I'm like, Where, where's all my other people at, right? I'm like, this is, yeah, for real. Like, let's go. And I'll be looking at Johnson, I'm like, this feels like, I, can we, can we, like, I just gravitate to other people, not just people of my own culture. And so here's where I want to encourage you, something that, and I believe this is what heaven is supposed to look like, but I want to encourage you just here at Victory, all of our campuses, man, intentionally begin to love people and look at people beyond that, that don't look like you. Bring them into your circle. Bring them into your community and start to do life with them. It is life-altering, life-changing. And I just, I love all of our friends. Like, I love we get to all do life together. And yeah, it's so fun. So that's what, that's <laughs> no, what you, yeah. No, I, you were just talking to uh, a woman, a black woman earlier. And she said, I, I'm having a hard time finding a small group that, that is that sort of reconciled heart. So I'm going to start one. She did. And I said, all right, come on. And I grabbed her hand. I was like, let's go. And took her to the uh, the adult ministries pastor and said, "We're let's let's get you signed up to lead." Yeah, and I think keyword intentionality, yeah. intentionality. It's not just magically going to happen. It's intentionality. So uh, Darius, I'm going to ask you a question, friend. Um, so you know this: what we do is not easy. No, it's not. Um, so what would you say has contributed to the unity that Victory has at like our level of leading the church and leading the campuses? Yeah, it's it, it's really not easy. Um, but 
words you guys are using is intentionality. So I would say it's consistent, intentional proximity, nearness, making sure that we get together in a space. I would even say it like this. Together is to gather, to be in the same place with some, with someone else. So we get an opportunity to do that every Tuesday. We're in the room together, all of us. Most Tuesdays we're together in the room, and we're, we're not just doing business. We're also doing brotherhood and sisterhood. And also every time we preach, um, we have a Zoom call that we do. It's one of the, my favorite times of the week. <laughs> You know, just to be able to be on the Zoom call. Now, look at that. That's, that's what I'm talking about. See, right there, I probably just told a joke right there, right there in that top corner. That is your joke face. That, that, yeah. is, my, that is my joke face right there. Um, but I think in that, just keep that up there. I think in that, you'll see, look at Chris. Look at Chris, y'all. Look at him. No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would say, if, if Pastor Johnson talked about a secret sauce, I would say the mystery sauce to really staying together and staying unified is right there. It's laughter. It's yeah. laughter. Friends, friends laugh together. And sometimes, sometimes we laugh with each other, and sometimes we laugh at each other. But one thing's for sure, we must, we must laugh. We must laugh. And... Pastor Johnson and Pastor Summer, uh, I would just give them their flowers for champion, a, being a champion of a vision that invites brotherhood and friendship at this level. And I would even say for you, um, listen, if you don't have friendship, if you haven't invited and been intentional about gathering people together, what are you waiting on? It's time to do it. It's time to do it. This is how it happens at this level, and it should happen at every level of the church. Amen. That's good. That's good. So, Lisa, I'm going to ask you the same question. So, what, what do you think, uh, from your perspective, invites the unity or creates the unity that we walk in? Well, I love this team. And, yes, we do meet. We have proximity weekly. But another thing that is really uh, wonderful and fruitful in any relationship they're in, friendship like Pastor Darius was referring, a marriage, a family, it's important to slow down, pull away, and have some intentional time to really talk about things and really connect. On the weekly, we're, we're running and we're meeting and we're talking, but I love the fact that we slow our roll, we pull away, and we have intentional time where we're going to get everything out on the table because it's not all rosy. We have hard things to talk about, and we're coming from all different angles and walks of life and, and the demographics of our campuses and whatnot. So to make this work, we have to pull away because we know it's the little foxes that spoil the vine, and we have to be intentional about talking about the hard things as well as laughing and eating together. We also cry together, and we, we get everything out on the table, and we unify, we reset. And I'm so thankful for a leadership that allows us to take time to do that because when we reset and we come out unified, it furthers the entire church. So, That's really good. Ms. Melba. By the way, you rocking that hairstyle today. I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> um, let, let me ask a little bit of a different uh, angle on that question. So they kind of gave some of the practicalities of unity. What would you say is like the, the heart that we have to carry in that helps create unity here, but also, you know, in, in all areas of life? Yeah, so I think our heart needs to be pure, 
and it needs to be pliable. Pliable to both what God is saying to victory globally, but also how he wants to express it through us individually, right? So victory is not just multicultural. It's multifaceted in the types of gifts that we have. So all of us up here, we speak differently. We sound different, right? We, we prepare our messages differently. So even as you saw in, in the uh, screen that we prepare, but we prepare the same message. And a lot of you may be asking, how do y'all preach the same message, right? We do it the same way as Christians read the same Bible. Right? So we take the same scripture with the interpretation from the Holy Spirit, and through these gifts, we have the ability to express them multiple different ways, right? So victory is a church of multiplication, not duplication, right? So, so pastors Johnson and Summer, they're not trying to duplicate themselves. If they duplicated themselves, then we won't get the opportunity to experience Mo's lean in. No, no, lean, lean, lean in some more. Uh, guys, no, lean in closer, cl closer. I'm like, Mo, I ain't got no more room. But when he does that, there is a word from God that's about to come, right? If we duplicate it, then we won't be able to experience Pastor Chris's Alabama twain. He's the only one that sounds like that. The only one. If we duplicated each other, we won't be able to experience Pastor Summer's prophetic point. There's this, when she, when she preaches, sometimes there's this finger that comes out, right? It comes out. And when it comes out, you better understand that there is a word from the Lord that's about to follow. There's a spiritual holster that's kind of right here, and it kind of comes out right there. But, but it's a beautiful collection of God's creativity in our giftings. So we get the ability to embrace each other in how we are. Sometimes so much so we embrace each other so much so that we forget, whose one-liner is this? And everybody's like, that was mine. It's like, nah, bro, you know that wasn't, that wasn't your, your one-liner. But we get to uh, gain so much from each other's giftings. But if we can keep our eyes focused on the bigger picture, then we can also be in tune with what God is doing and how he created us individually. That's so good. Yeah, I'd echo that. I, I know Pastor Ness used to get these questions from other pastors. I, I do all the time now. And they say, like, why, why do you do it the way you do it? In other words, why don't you just 100% stream? Why don't you just take your sermon and send it? It's so much easier that way. And I'm like, well, yeah, it'd be easier, but I don't know if we're just called to do easy stuff. Like, what's the right thing to do? What's God saying? What's God calling us to do? And I think Kendra said it uh, so brilliantly um, just recently. She said, uh, we are not a melting pot. Like, the church is not a melting pot. America's known as a melting pot. Because if you're a melting pot, that means everybody loses their individuality and just comes together in this one generic mess. We aren't a melting pot, we're a mosaic. And what it is is God's knitting us all together in this beautiful, diverse, uniquely gifted patchwork quilt, right, that is called the family of the living God. And so, uh, you know, it, it would be easy, because these guys are some strong leaders up here, it'd be easy to be threatened by that. But listen, in, in, in your own world, it'd be easy to be threatened by that. But when we can just be confident in who we are, 
and do what God has called us to do. It makes space for everybody to step up and we are so much better together than we are separate. And and I believe that that's the the contextualization that you guys can bring to the different campuses. Every single one of you is called and gifted to speak to the campuses and the people that you do. And I would say the same thing for you guys. Don't lose who you are, right? Let God file off the rough, messy, unsanctified parts. Don't be like, well, here I am, take it or leave it, you know what I'm saying? No, like, let Jesus transform your life. But then this is emancipating greatness. Let the gifts that God put on the inside of you come to fruition because we are better when everybody's hand goes in to do the work of the Lord. We're better for that. We're better, we're better, better, right? So Kendra, I'm gonna ask you that same question. So um, from, from your heart, what is the heart that, that you feel like, hey, here's what I have to carry for us to walk in unity? Absolutely. I think for me, it's knowing that I'm in authority, but I'm also under authority. And that starts first in my household with making sure that Mo and I are in agreement. Ultimately, he has the last word. And so, again, how this manifests and operates on our campus level is this, that there are things that I won't do until I have the green light from my leadership, Pastor Johnson or Pastor Summer. And recently there was a situation where my VMLs, my uh, volunteer ministry leads wanted to do an event and it was a dynamic event, but I wanted to get Pastor Summer's blessing on it. And it was around the holiday season and you know how it is, text messages get lost and all that kind of stuff. And so it took a little bit of time to get back to my VMLs and they were starting to feel some kind of way. You know how we do, we got an idea, church folks, Amen. And we want it to happen really quickly. So a couple of weeks had gone by, and honestly, I struggled with asking Pastor Summer a second time because I'm still mastering ego, edging God out. Amen. But I went back and I asked her a second time, and she was like, sure, go ahead and do it. So I was meeting with my VMLs last Sunday, and I shared the story with them. And one of my VMLs, Abby, she said, you know what, Pastor Kendra, thank you so much for sharing with us the context in your process, because what it lets us know is how much you really want to honor up and honor down. And I would say that's the opportunity. You can clap for that. That's the opportunity we have as a church body. So when the parking lot attendant tells you to go to the right, but you wanna go to the left midtown, amen somebody, (laughs) honor the request and and, and follow along. Because here's the thing, you all, it's not bubblegum and unicorns up here every Tuesday. There are fundamental things that we've had to work through, but what we all know and what we're committed to is that we have this ministry of reconciliation, and there's nothing that can separate us, so we let the blood of Jesus lead us, reconcile us, and cause us to get the ugly stuff out so that God can be glorified. So something we even do in that regard is... uh, You know, Jesus says, if you have an offense against somebody, go to that person. Or even another scripture says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. So a practice that we have that I wanna give to you guys is, hey, if something comes up, what we do is we text each other 24. And what that means is, in the next 24 hours, we need to talk. Okay, and so what that does, it helps to keep it from building up or it helps the, sometimes that's a little bit easier than verbal, be like, hey, Kendra, you did this. So, I'm like, what are you talking about, Jay? Yeah, yeah, so, so don't do that in your marriage, but, but you may need to just send a 24, maybe practice, just 24, which means, hey, in the next day, we just need to sit down and talk about something that happened, right? Um, so, so real quick, Mo, same question. What sort of heart we gotta have? Hmm, 
I think a big thing is a word that I often use and live by is the word humility. And the way I describe humility, Midtown has heard me say this many times, is that humility is strength under control. Meaning that I do have gifts and abilities. I have the juice, but I know where the juice comes from. <laughs> that God has blessed me and gifted me with talents and ability, but I'm not thinking that I am the origin of that. And so what that does, it allows you to be self-aware. And I believe some of what we are seeing in the body of Christ and in leadership, politically or what have you, is that you have people walking around here in that individualistic spirit that you talked about. And what that does, it makes you an easy target for the enemy, for the devil to pick you off. And we wonder why people are falling that are highly skilled, highly talented, even highly anointed, is because we feel like we can do it all ourselves. And one of the things that I feel like is for us and it's for everyone here at all the campuses is that as we're talking about this collaboration and accountability, I think it's very important to make sure that we don't get caught up in being flattered out of the fullness of what God has for us. What do I mean by that? Many of you are great, gifted, talented, small group leaders. I, I have people, even in Victory Church, who have come up and said, so why would you do this? Why do you do this in the context of victory? You're a strong leader. You can do this. And I've said many times, I want to do something significant with other people who want to do something significant. Mm. And we can do so much more to, mm. together. And so there's this thing, again, as we're talking about collaboration and accountability, I really believe that accountability and collaboration, what it do, does is that it protects you and it actually makes sure that you're guarded from things that individualism would actually give a pass to. What does that mean? Just simply, like a lot of times, you know, we're doing stuff and we give each other permission to call each other out like, bruh, you're doing a little bit much. <laughs> and so we have to be able to be open to that if we're going to, again, be in authority, but under authority. And so this last thing, just to kind of sync all this up, is um, I want to say this statement. I want to access a rhetorical question, and I, I got to give a lean in. All the campuses are together. So just <laughs> lean in. Lean in. Midtown, come on, lean in. All the overflows. Pastor Dennis, lead in. Come on. Why <laughs> say it like that? <laughs> Ask yourself this question as we're talking about. <laughs> we'll talk later. We'll talk later. Seriously, though, ask yourself this question as we're talking about collaboration and unity. Are you willing to get a little bit less credit in order to have a greater impact with the whole? That's good. You can lean back. Well, I love that because that, that tra kind of trends into something you say and we, we say around here a lot is one of the powers of unity and community is we can do more together than we can separate. And uh, we, we actually have a living illustration of that. And so if you were here at the end of last year, um, you were a part of something that we do, we try and do every single year here called Christmas Gift to the World. And we have those numbers back in, finally, of, of all that we, we gave together, being able to do more together than we ever could separate. And so we wanna give that number to you today. And I, I am so happy, we are all so happy that it is actually the highest giving that has ever come in in the history of us doing Christmas gift to the world in summer. What is that number? Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Hamilton Mill, Norcross, North Cobb Online. Give me a little drum roll, Pat. Are you guys ready? Amen. Christmas gift to the world 2023 comes in at $1,150,000. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. That's fantastic. So, so that, that means um, right down the middle, 
that the two organizations that were getting behind got $575,000 each. Um, and so Victory Vita, if you did not hear, we launched them out as a church. We did a church plant. And uh, they had over 1,000 people at their first service. And so we helped to send them out and do that. And literally the other, other half is going over to Pakistan to end multi-generational slavery, acts of slavery for families, multi-generational slavery over. So literally you were part of setting hundreds of families free. And you're gonna get to meet them in heaven one day. I love it. Thank you guys. One more time. Can we just give praise to God for that $1,150,000? It's so good. It's so good. Hey, so last, uh, last, last big question here, okay? So uh, come over here to, to you, Chris. So what, what's the big deal with unity anyways? Like, I know this is big on your heart. Why, why does unity and community matter? It matters because it strongly, greatly matters to our Heavenly Father. God loves unity. Unity is the heart of heaven, and God blesses unity, just as the scriptures that Pastor just read earlier. And we, we, here's, I know it's gonna sound a little cliche, but we are stronger together. Yeah. That's what unity does. We are stronger together. Again, I know it sounds cliche, but it's true. We are better together. I'm better because of these people on the platform. I'm, Lisa and I are better because of our VHM family, Victory Hamilton Mill. And when we're not together, come on somebody, we know it. When Lisa and I are not on the same page, when we're not together, we're in the same house, we're in the same bedroom, but we're not together. And, and I know it because I can feel it in my heart. I can also know it when Lisa's like, Christopher Nelson Frith, we need to talk. <laughs> I'm like, you're not my mother. But anyway. <laughs> and I, you know, also with my brothers here, they offend me all the time. <laughs> I'm like, 24, 24, 24. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but when we're not together, we seek each other out. And a lot of times, you know, speaking for me and Lisa, but also with our beautiful family, Victory Hamilton Mill family, and we're in the lobbies talking with people, and a husband comes up to me or a spouse, a wife comes up to me and Lisa, and we're just talking, and we're hearing them out, and we're hearing the problem or the situation. And, and then I'm like, you know what? It sounds like you guys are not on the same page, which can happen to all of us. And so you gotta, you gotta draw closer. You gotta talk it out because the problem's just gonna get worse. Lisa, the Holy Spirit, a lot of times speaks through our wives. Come on, husbands. And, and so Lisa will be like, hey, you need to draw. We got three kids, two young adults, one teenager. God help us. And literally, uh, Lisa will be like, you need to get with Grant, our teenager. You need to press into him right now or you need to press into your, your oldest or your daughter. And there's just something that's off. Can anybody know what I'm talking about? And the enemy likes to, come on, I'll just say this. Hell loves division. God loves unity. And that's why we need each other. That's why we need small groups. That's why all of us need to be in small groups. Small groups make us better. Doing life together, unified, makes us stronger. Amen. 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 All right, last but not least, <laughs> I'm gonna ask you the same question. What's the, be, what, what's the benefit of being in community? Yeah, I'll jump in. I think to Chris's point, um, it's unity is about community, but the right community, because we know there are two kinds of community, the right kind and the bad kind, the healthy and the unhealthy, right? And so I think um, we've all heard the saying, I think Pastor Johnson even said it last week, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future, right? 
And so I remember growing up, I don't know if your house was like my house and if your mama was like my mama, but there were just certain things that did not fly in my household. Uh, one of those things being sleepovers, okay? It was just not happening, right, right. My mom had all the questions if I would ask to spend the night with someone. Well, who's gonna be over there? I don't know them. Uh, are they saved? What church do they attend? I'm like, mom, I don't know their whole life. And I would get so mad and so frustrated until I became a mom. And now, here I am, three kids later, asking them the same exact questions. And why? Because the Bible is true. Bad company corrupts good character, right? Amen. And so... Yes, we have to have boundaries and things in place to safeguard our, our children, our relationships, our friendships. However, I think sometimes we can be so caught up on avoiding the wrong people, the wrong community, the wrong crowds, that we don't stop and pause and ask God and pray for the right group of people, the right community. Yeah, that's so good. And uh, yeah, y'all can clap for that. That's good. You know, it really reminds me, you know, just in a moment, I remember something that I've heard you say, JB, before, is that we oftentimes know what we're saved from, but not what we're saved for. And, um, and it's so true, you know, um, the, the reality is that the people in our circle, they're either going to delay us reaching our destiny, or they're going to propel us into our destiny, right? And, um, you know, and, and I think community is so important, and this whole weekend, and the, us being here together online, across every campus, it's because we really believe in the power of community. And even when we look in scripture, we see time and time again where uh, God would create these divine encounters where two people would come together and, and whenever they would, it's almost like the purposes of God that were locked away or unlocked and activated. Um, and that's not to say that like God's purpose for your life is locked up in another individual, no. But there was something special that happened when Elijah and Elijah connected. There was something powerful that happened when Ruth and Naomi connected. There was something powerful when Paul took young Timothy under his wing, right? You, you see what I'm saying? So all throughout Scripture, and I believe even still today, there is power. There's something uh, that just happens whenever we subject ourselves to community, godly community. Because, listen, there are people in my circle that I need, and there are things that they need from me as well as we pursue the heart of God together. And again, that is what this whole weekend is about. So whether you're here in the room at Norcross or in any of our overflow spaces at every campus, Midtown, Hamilton Mill, North Cobb, before you go home today, I want to encourage you, stop by one of these small group stations. We have leaders there, and we want to help you. We really take seriously community at Victory. And I, I, know, I know we are all hungry, you know, and you want to beat the Baptist to the buffet. But don't worry. You're supposed to be fasting anyway. Come on, brother. No, but seriously, seriously, even more reasons. Slow down today before you leave. Slow down, pause. Stop and talk with a small group leader. And let's just see what God does in this next season as we come and bring unity through community. Amen. Amen. <laughs>
Hey, so actually right now, uh, across all the campuses, we're gonna have an expression of community and unity and family, and we are going to share the Lord's Supper together. And so if you're down at the end of an aisle, once you take that, that bucket and pass that down, if you're at a campus where you got the elements at the door and you didn't get it, you can raise your hand and Usher will bring you an element. And what this moment is, this is, uh, this is a family meal. And so if you're a part of the family of God through faith in Jesus, we invite you to partake with us. Uh, or maybe this is your expression of saying, hey, I, I, today I'm coming to faith in Jesus Christ. So um, Darius, won't you lead us in communion today? Yes, yes. Uh, like Pastor Johnson said, this is an expression of uh, communion. And I would say that, you know, one of the greatest things that we get to do together, as we talked about, is community, uh, which is common unity. And what, we, what Jesus expressed to his disciples is common union with us. And the reality of his expression towards us is he said that out of all the things that he's done, I want you to remember me this way. I want you, want you to remember me sitting at the dinner table with you, breaking bread, drinking the cup. So as we go into this, I want you to know today, if you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is for you. This is an opportunity for you to come into union with God. And Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took out the bread and he, he gave it to his disciples and this bread represents his body that was bruised and, and beaten for us so that we could have heal, healing and wholeness. He is the bread of life. He is the manna that, that, that dropped from heaven in the wilderness. That means that he sustains us. He is our substance and our sustenance. That when we partake of the bread, what we receive is shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken, complete wholeness of spirit, soul, and body. So go ahead and take out the bread. Go ahead and break it. Father, we just thank you for the bread representing the body of Jesus that was bruised for us so that we could have healing. So right now in Jesus' name, we receive it so that we can receive wholeness in every aspect of our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you are the bread of life. And as we partake of the bread of life, we receive life into us. So we just declare healing in this expression, and we give gratitude and thanks in Jesus' name. Go ahead and receive the bread. This is the part I love. I want you to go ahead and take this cup out. If you're here today and you say, uh, Pastor, I feel a lot of shame. I, I feel distant from God. Jesus is reaching out his hands to you, and he's saying, I want you to draw near to me today. And he's saying, listen, there's nothing you've done in your life that my blood did not cover. The blood still has miraculous power. And if you receive me today, you can walk out of here today without guilt or shame. And you walk out of here today with me living and abiding in you. That's what Jesus does. So if you're here today and you're receiving Jesus, I just want you to repeat this after me before we receive the cup. Say, Father, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for me, that he went in the grave and he rose again on the third day for me and I believe 
that his blood has taken away all of my sin. Now I repent of my sin and I receive what you freely give me. I receive the Holy Spirit to empower me to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. So Jesus took the cup and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood, meaning that no longer are our sins just covered, they're taken away. He's the blood on the mercy seat. He's the final atonement. He is the Passover. That means death has no sting and the grave has no victory. Praise God. So we just lift the cup up and we just thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for bringing us near to you. Thank you that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that when you see us, you smile because you see your sons and daughters. And we give you praise and glory. In the miraculous name of Jesus, we pray. Take and drink. Now let me pray a blessing. Father, we thank you that across all campuses, at North Cobb and Hamilton Mill, Midtown and right here at Norcross, that it is a sign of unity that we get to partake of this on this day, a special time, all campuses together. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen and amen. Hey, if you are down to the end of an hour, you can pass that, that bucket down. And uh, thank you for that. Thank you for that, Darius. I wanna, I wanna pray one more prayer from um, the Apostle Paul. Uh, spoke and prayed over the church in Ephesus. It's in Ephesians chapter four. And I wanna pray like this. Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. And God, right now I pray the precious, godly embrace of unity on every single individual. God, make our families one. May our friendships be one. May our small groups be one. And God, may we as this church, the expression of the bride of Christ here, God, may we be one people so that all would know that Jesus Christ came from the Father. God, be glorified in our midst by the community and the unity that we live in. All for the name and the fame of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you guys at the campuses.